take a little bit of derangement to make great art. I mean, really think about that. Really think about it. We are all unhinged anyway, right? And in today's one millionth deranged news story of the day, here's what got me thinking about all this, okay? Is the vulture piece that has gone viral, that is all around the internet, like it is swirling from every lighthouse to your grandma's mailbox, like everywhere you've ever seen on the man who fell from his throne, Joss Whedon. Joss. Like, I'm just going to call him Josh because first of all, the audacity, Josh, like leave it to Josh Stone, mister. Okay. Like, honestly, I can't. So Josh, we didn't know. So if you don't know, I'm going to get you up to speed because Vulture did a profile on this man who had a fall from grace and everyone's losing their minds. It literally got me out to be on Twitter and go on there and type something and hit send because I was feeling a type of way I know. And now I need full-blown therapy because everybody on Twitter is literally off of their rocking chairs, like full-blown into the stratosphere. Okay. But I'm going to give you a little lowdown if you're like, what are you talking about? And then we're going to get into the nitty gritty, but just keep that. Okay. In your back pocket and think to yourself, because I'm going to revisit this later. It's where we're all going with this, but we're over here, you know, trying to be the police of this, that, and the other thing, but really think about it. Does it take a little bit of being nutty to make it under the shining lights of Hollywood's Tinseltown bitch? So here's what happened. Okay. So Vulture did a profile. So Josh, again, I'm just going on this train too bad. Joss Whedon, like the, again, the nerve. So Joss Whedon, he is the man who created the iconic pop culture series movie, the whole thing, Buffy, the vampire slayer. Now, as of late, Joss Whedon, like I, I'm so mad. I'm so mad at this name choice. Okay. He, he chose this by the way. He chose this. His name was Joe Joseph, like rolls off the tongue, but no, had to be hipster, had to be cool, had to turn it to Joss. Okay. J-O-S-S. So he had a fall from grace because as of late, people were coming out and talking about how this man created what was a toxic work environment. Now we're not talking about somebody who like stabs and killed someone who pulled a straight Dexter, hid them in his freezer. Like again, as of late. But to me, overall, it seems like, you know what, he could just be kind of a dick. Like people talked about how he would just be given attitude. Like, I guess he told a pregnant actress once she got fat. He slept with young actresses while he was married on the set of Buffy. Like again, just a dick, right? But the piece really walks you through his humble, kind of humble, like fucked up beginnings, to his rise to fame, to then his fall. And it's really interesting because he obviously is like a dark, twisted soul in many ways. Like he talks about how he has some mommy issues. He watched when he was five, he watched a friend die. You know, like obviously had issues with, you know, power and being a nerd and not being cool and all this, right? But underneath, obviously there was some creative genius going on there because he creates Buffy and I 
academics across the globe are whacking off, like literally creating courses, creating a whole thing in honor of Buffy and why it became so iconic. I mean, truth be told, I have never seen it. Okay. But why it's become so iconic is because Buffy, you would think this bitch would be slain in the first episode, right? Because she's this cute blonde with the name Buffy. Need I say more? So normally these bitches would get chopped off and would get axed out literally quicker than you can say Michael Myers, but it sort of flipped the trope on its head. And she is the vampire slayer. And again, there are some dark issues in this shit. Like you may think it's like teen pop culture stuff, but this shit again, like this man was dark. I mean, she would fight off violence and attempts at rape, like all this stuff, you know, go Buffy. And so everybody from college professors to Samantha, the downer cul-de-sac related and really saw something in Buffy. So this man became what was a, you know, cultural phenomenon and a feminist icon. Now, again, people have been coming out of the woodwork, you know, accusing him of all the stuff. And what also has been getting this man under fire, he had directed major superhero movies. Okay. Like he was at the helm of Avengers of age of Ultron. And then all of this shit hit the fan. Okay, because he it was this whole thing where he stepped in to direct DC Comics Justice League and people, including the cast like Gal Gadot, had some words to say about him. Had some words. But before we get to that, okay, a little bit more about his man, this man's like twisted little soul. So he it seems to me again, like he had this thing, you know, a lot of the times like the geek nerd boy fantasy and they kind of like let it portray out on the screen. And so that's what the article really talks about. It's like, you know, did he see himself in Bud in Buffy and or, you know, wanna, you know, slay Buffy in bed like a vampire? I mean, honestly, it's like this like clash of these two ideas, right? Like this like boy fantasy kind of like created and again, like, you know, struggling with all his demons and like making that into Buffy and bringing that into the big screen. Like, remember this came from his brain, okay? So that's a little bit of a backstory. And I really quickly want to give a shout out to Vulture, who I've worked for. And I don't have any issues with Vulture. I had a good time working for them. You know, good team, good peeps. And I, what I liked about them sidebar is how they always made us kind of not made us, but encouraged us to write about kind of like kooky shit out of the box stuff. One of my favorites, and I pitched this idea, is when I asked the Handmaid's Tale cast, what, if you guys watch The Handmaid's Tale, like those big drapey, red, like, you know, window curtain outfits that they have to wear. I imagine that they are sweating their tits off under those, right? Like off Glenn, off red, like all the offs. And so I asked them, what do you actually wear under there? Like what goes on? Like, are we talking depends? Are we talking granny parodies? Are we talking G-string? Like what is going on? I have to know. So go to Vulture and there you go for a little, you know, behind the scenes peek on that. But anyhow, I have to give them credit. And I was reading the piece And like I said, it's gone viral. Everyone's talking about it because, you know, like the comic book fans are invested in this shit. Okay, like you cannot convince them otherwise. And I was thinking to myself the whole time, this is so refreshing because normally the MO these days is not to give somebody this disgraced man or person or unicorn or whoever a platform right? It's to shun them. It's to say what you did wasn't okay. They're not trying to be associated with anybody with any sort of controversy. So I'm thinking to myself, how refreshing 
for Vulture, a mainstream platform, you know, a la Woke, to be talking to this man. And I have to say, I feel like the piece was pretty fair. It didn't, I don't feel like it had a preconceived narrative like we see all the time, like trying to make out this guy to be a bad guy, right? Or make him out to be a dick. Like he kind of, a lot of people are saying like he did that on his its own. Like he had the shovel, there's the grave. Unfortunately, like a vampire, you may or may not come back. I don't know, but either way, like he did that on its own. And I appreciated how it showed it from all sides. It talked about how and why he became, you know, such a touchstone in pop, you know, pop culture and feminism and all this. And from all sides, like people, you know, who didn't have a, enjoyed their time working with him. And then people who were like, I had no issues with it. You know, I had a good time. What a great guy. So I appreciated how it all came, you know, it came from all sides. And this is why I got onto Twitter. Okay. And this is where people literally are deranged and have lost it. And are a bunch, if I'm being honest, like people on Twitter are a bunch of spoiled little baby brat bitches because they are on here. Every single almost response to the article is how could you give this man a platform? But like, I'm sorry, they weren't shining his Pulitzer. Okay. They're asking him questions. It's like the concept David Yontef of behind the velvet rope. He and I talked about it in our episode last week. It's like, okay, if Barbara Walters is, you know, interviewing your local axe murderer, do you think she likes him or she's encouraging people to become like him? No, that's what journalism is, bitch. Like get a memo, get a clue. And so these people literally have the negative brain cell capacity. And I'm like, I'm convinced that people on Twitter can't read period because it's clear to me, number one, they didn't read the piece because there's so much nuance I'm going to get into, but they are out here bitching and moaning like little bitches throwing a tantrum at the ice cream man. When he runs out of the SpongeBob square pants, popsicles with the little gumballs for eyes, like honestly, knock it off. Not everything goes your way, bitch, because literally one girl said, what is the journalistic purpose and the point of this? And I just really became a corpse. I'm like, what are you out of your mind? And this is the problem. And this is what should concern you is that people can't even handle like whether he's a bad guy or not him saying his piece and being out there, period. We don't have to like it, but the fact that you don't even think it should be given a platform, knock it off. You little brats, it's not all your way. Like, this is our problem. It has to be everybody's way. Like, they don't even want to see it. It can't even exist on the interweb. It's not your world, bitch. And we're not living in it. So get a clue. Here's one tweet that really had me so concerned, okay? Just check this out. So here's another thing, and it raises the issue too, right? People don't think that this guy was canceled enough because he's on the cover of New York Magazine, and obviously this is the big profile. So people are like, oh, is this, like, this is why people don't think, you know, don't think that cancel culture is real because they're like, oh, this is what, like, quote, canceled people get, like, you know, they get their eyebrows waxed and are able to get like the cover of, you know, New York magazine. Like, this is how we're going to reward them. Like, oh yeah. Psh, okay. Cancel culture. Like if anything, it's helping these people. Right. So here's what this person said. Cancellation opens all sorts of doors, period. And this is also why Twitter is like so out of touch with reality and up so far up their own assholes. They have this thing where they're like, cancel culture props you up and makes you more. It's like, no, everyone is ridiculing him. Cause I'm not saying it is, it is a warranted with this guy, but I'm just saying for people to be like, oh yeah, cancel culture. What a joke. Like not a real thing. 
I literally can't even go a day now without somebody acknowledging it and being like, this is the biggest boner killer. This shit is killing my vibe. Literally in the last few days alone, okay? You had Steve Harvey, iconic comedian come out and he was like, I am not doing a stand-up until I am literally on my deathbed because if I say anything remotely controversial, it will be the nail on my coffin. So ta-ta, like these people are out of control. It has killed comedy and it's why I haven't done comedy, okay? You have Steve Harvey saying this, Get ready for this one, okay? The motherfucking Pope. The Pope. The Pope himself, okay? And again, a man with some controversial takes and issues. Like, don't forget when a couple weeks ago, he blamed pet owners for people not populating the earth and not reproducing and not doing what we were born to do. He's like, yeah, you guys are all preoccupied with your dogs. Nobody is... bearing children. And it's like, sir, says the man who is celibate, you know, for his whole entire life. Like, wow, the irony. But I have to say he came in hot with the cancel culture tape. He talks about how it's, you know, in it's in institutions and universities and all around town, how it is just having like such a grip on our free expression. Nobody can have a thought outside what they say is OK. And by the way, so arbitrary. And they literally just decide depending on how the fucking wind blows. But he says, like, it is just it is not good for our free expression. Cancel culture like shout out to the Pope. Okay. So you have this dude up in the Vatican talking about this shit. So it is not made up. Like again, get out of the lucky charms, man, little like cauldron pot of gold, because this is real. I actually saw a story yesterday of this influencer. And she talks about how she had some views. She talks about her views, nothing that out of control. Again, she's not like serial killers unite. No, like it's, you know, pretty basic. Sure. Are they out of the box and unpopular? Yeah. Okay. She had four sponsors drop on her losing all that income. One of them was hello fresh. I think was one was, you know, honestly, so honestly, hello fresh get with the times and quit being a bunch of pussies, grow a fucking backbone. So again, good for Vulture for having like a sliver, like a somewhat, a little peak of a backbone in this scenario. So this is what I tweeted. And I went on here and I'm like, everybody calm down because people were losing. They are calling this man, like all these names, like xenophobe and all this. And I'm like, where in the article does it say this? Like, they just are so like bitter and cynical. And it's like, oh my God, have a Mai Tai and calm down. Like it's going, it is going to be, okay. Like again, especially if this guy kind of made himself out to be more of a douche, like really, what is your concern here? And they just pile and pile on and call him every name and say, Vulture, how dare you give him this platform? Like, again, they are not crowning him a Miss America pageant queen fucking pageant flower bouquet crown. They are just giving another side to the story. So holy shit, like you people are a bunch of little brats. Get over yourself, okay? Now here's the Justice League drama. The Justice League drama is because the guy who is directing Justice League, his name is Zack Snyder. And this whole controversy happened because Zack had to step off of the project. So they had this guy, Joss Whedon, come in and I'm sorry, his name. It's just honestly, it like makes me feel like these Twitter people, like every type of way, every time I, I utter it off of my lips. So he came in, stepped in to direct Justice League when Jack Snyder, or sorry, Zack Snyder, um, left the project. And there's all sorts of controversy around, around what happened. Like Gal Gadot has shit on him being like, this guy I would never recommend a colleague to work with him 
ever again. Ray Fisher, who is a black actor, basically accused him of being a racist because he said he cut his scenes down. And in the piece, he talks about, he's like, I cut his scenes down because the plot didn't make sense. And honestly, the acting wasn't that good. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not in this man's brain. I don't know. But even the piece says there are multiple people who had said this. Okay. So apparently it wasn't just him, but either way, I don't know. So people have their issues with this man. And again, like he just seems like a dick. Like, I guess he had a little dispute with Gal Gadot and he blamed it on her being Israeli and not having English as her first language. So he's like, he probably, you know, she probably didn't understand me. And let me just say, sir, like I have met Gal Gadot and contrary to how the internet feels about her, about her singing, about her wanting to be John Lennon, you know, with Imagine, okay, in a time of utter despair and chaos in the pandemic, I feel like she is one eloquent bitch. So stop. Okay. So this is where to me, it's again, really twisted. Okay. Cause the, and the article points this out, how this man really had his come up when the internet was just for like, you know, chem nerds who like jerked off to porn before it was really porn, you know, on the internet. And everyone was like the internet, what? Like it's her dorks. So he really came up in this time because again, like these Buffy obsessed people would go on and like before Reddit, like Reddit is shaking before Reddit was a thing and would go on and be like, so excited. He would like join the fandom. They would have like events. It was a whole thing, but the internet was like where they got jiggy with it. You know what I mean? But what's interesting. So this is where the internet now, like double take on this man because when all this shit happened with justice league they suddenly were like Zack snyder's our man you know it ended up coming out on hbo max like his original cut Zack snyder's cut which was like four hours long it was this whole thing what a twist of events because the internet made joss i can't even say this guy's name i'm going to call him josh i don't care josh whedon fall from grace, you know, calling him a racist, a not feminist and all this and all that, you know, being toxic with women and misogynist and all this shit when he was like, once the king of all this and what a reversal, because believe it or not, Zack Snyder used to be called a racist and all this because he made the movie 300, which I haven't seen it in like decades, but that movie was, you know, came under fire for being racist in ways. So it's like they had such a role reversal because then Zack Snyder, now with this whole Justice League and this whole thing, ended up becoming like an icon of like progressive, you know, you know, action in movies and stuff. So it just goes to show like what a creepy little role reversal and how I, he even says in the piece, like the irony is not lost on me, right? So, all right. So again, back to this guy. So here's what it seems like to me. And again, this is why I don't understand why Twitter is literally having a mental breakdown. It's like, it makes me think they will just hop on anything for the sake of it because they are so goddamn bored. And it's like, bitch, I get it. I'm bored too, but pick up a hobby, you know, a good Sudoku book, go get a pedicure, like anything, because it's also, it makes me think, right. If they want to like limit and censor and be like, nobody who we disagree with can even have a, have their say, what kind of fantasy world are you living in? Like, that's how, like, it's fascinating to me to get inside the brain of this guy and learn his story. It's like, go ahead, people go dance with the unicorns, fucking rainbows and the leprechauns being spectators all day long. Like go live in that fantasy world. Okay. Report back and let me know how that goes. Just let me know. So that all just goes to say, I just feel like this is somebody and learning about his come up and his childhood and all this again, who just seems like an insecure guy 
who got too much power too soon and then fucked it all up right? Became entitled, you know, and became a dick. And if we're being honest, this is why I'm glad that there has been this kind of reckoning in Hollywood because this like boys club mentality bullshit, God knows how long that went on for. Right. And they got away with it because they could, which is bullshit. So I'm glad that it's changing up a bit. You know what I mean? We're getting women in there. We're getting all kinds of peeps in there. And it's not just these douchebags who are deciding like what rolls and what doesn't anymore. So I'm not necessarily necessarily saying like, yeah, bring all the Joss Whedon's like, let's go. You know what I mean? Reward them and give them, let this shit perpetuate and let this cycle perpetuate. That's not what I'm saying. However, does it warrant, you know, all of this, does it warrant all of this? And I know that's like, excuse me. Like people are out here, you know, having a mental breakdown that this piece even ran. And you're sitting here being like, is it all that bad? Is it all that bad? And it's like, again, you know, I'm not downplaying it, but think about the creative, you know, geniuses of our past. And it really brings me to think about this. Like, would half of the art that is so iconic, that has been so groundbreaking, that has changed our culture forever, literally by the standard, and I'm not, I'm not like, this is not a kind of guy I would, again, hang out with, want to work for, like go get pina coladas with, with, right? But would half of this art even be made, you know, by this standard and by this like prosecution on the internet? I don't know. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit of a personal story before I get into like the real unhinged peeps, like my ancestors who came before me. But this is honestly actually a conversation that I have because I have, as a creative person, I have my own hangups too. Now I'm not going around telling pregnant people they look fat and I'm not going around like trying to sleep with 18 year old boys. Like a bitch has things to do. Right. But even things like I will compulsively sometimes overthink things before or after they happen. Maybe though, is that part of your creative like bone? A lot of creative people deal with this, like with anxieties and different little things, right? That they don't always talk about, which is why I appreciate what, when they do. But the point is like, even here's an example, right? Like Madonna, she talks about how she has suffered with insomnia her entire life. Like imagine sleeping for 30 minutes a night, waking up, it is dark out. And then having to go perform like a virgin gyrating with cones on your tits for three hours, like how exhausting. And part of me thinks if she didn't have this, would like, does it make you better? Does it drive you to be better? You know, does it, sometimes I notice when I have my little anxieties, I perform 10 times better. It's like, is it part of what makes you a part of what drives you a part of what it's like something you tap into, right? Like with Madonna, would half of these people be as good as gifted and as successful without it? Like, is there a little part of us that we need to be like a little unhinged, honestly, right? It makes you think like, would Susie, Susie homemaker making banana bread, like with or without walnuts, I don't know, depending on the day, like be a groundbreaking force in entertainment. Like, does she have what it takes? Because she's so sane and she's so normal. Like, honestly, you have to be off your rocker a little bit. It's something worth thinking about, right? And it, it really got me thinking about this, reading this guy's story. It's like, well, clearly he has some like psychological shit. Like I said, mommy issues, hangups, insecurities, feeling like you see these themes in his work a lot. Like the feeling like kind of the underdog slaying all the demons, right? So to speak, like what an analogy with Buffy, 
but I'm just saying. So here are some examples of some creative geniuses of our time who literally did the most kooky shit. And honestly, if the internet was bumping and grinding like it is now, I guarantee you they would be you know, put on a railroad track, the train would come zipping by and you wouldn't see, see them again. And if anything, if they try to say anything, everyone would lose their mind. So Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. Alfred Hitchcock, do you know, like, and some of this shit is questionable. Like some actresses are like, he literally tried to assault me. So this way, like talk about method acting. So I would feel so uncomfortable that the sexual tension would come pouring out of the screen. Okay. Like a hurricane. And you can't even look away. Like you can't not face this force of me feeling awkward. Like he would do such crazy stuff. And again, not defending it. Don't know exactly what happened, but like, even on the movie, I think it was on birds. I think that he wanted the actress to feel so goddamn terrified. He literally unleashed this madman, a cage of birds onto this lady onto the, like, literally she was like, I was in the doctor for a week after I had scratches. I was horrified. I was terrified, like the horror, but he's like, bitch, I'm going to make that terror come out of you. So help me God. You will never see birds the same. Okay. You will be in a straight jacket at the site of red Robin. I mean, really this guy, this guy, even in the movie psycho, who was the actress? I don't remember, but in the famous scene in the shower, I think he, she wasn't quite terrified enough. So he literally pretended he pretended to stab her with a fake knife so she could get that feeling of horror out. And so it would come through. Okay. So this is my point. Wes Craven. He's another one directed scream. And this is what I'm saying too, which is something to think about kind of like the Josh, the fucking, Hey, the Joss Whedon's right. These are not just like, oh yeah, I saw it once, maybe like these foobar, like blase things we see now. These are again, like iconic moments in film and TV that are cemented in time. Okay. So the beginning scene of scream that has been like spoofed on a million times, it's been seen a million times where Drew Barrymore is on the phone with the killer. Apparently Wes Craven in between takes like detailed killing her dog killing her dog and cruelty on animals. Like how sick and twisted and cruel. Okay. So she would be breaking down so much and that much on camera. And so it would come through. He's like, I don't care what it takes. Like, I don't care what has to happen. I don't care if I'm going to make you do 101 Dalmatians. You are actually Corella, like a remake, except the plot twist is like, they all go into a puppy chamber of death. You are going to cry in this scene, honestly. And that's what made it. Literally, we have it in our dreams. Another one is Stanley Kubrick. So this is the man who is like another controversial director. He directed The Shining. And apparently that famous like again one of the most iconic scenes on the stairwell where they have like the final showdown the girl and jack nicholson who is like the king of deranged right like props to our leader but he apparently like talk about torture and talk about cruel apparently he made them and made her do that scene 127 times 127 times until they got it right that is like i know you guys think And I sometimes do this too. Like think that actors have like the silliest job of all time. Like how hard is it? How hard is it? How hard is it? But I will tell you one time I was in a Papa John's commercial and I was an extra and I was in the back. I had no lines. All I had to do was pretend to talk. And I had a solo cup. We took a lot of takes and I was exhausted. I was like, I need an on call masseuse. Thank you. Like I was exhausted. So I can't even imagine. Okay. The torture chamber that this lady was in. Is there again, a part of creative people where 
where there's, you know, they're a little dark and twisted. Is there a part of that, that you almost like it taps into something unworldly that makes people something like really stick with them or that really makes them feel a type of way. I mean, I know it's not necessarily like the most pleasant thought, but it's something really worth thinking about. I mean, think about one of the OGs. Okay. Van Gogh, this fucking guy, this fucking guy, he cut his own ear off like Dexter Dexter who Dexter's nowhere to be seen. He's not even in the building. Okay. Because this motherfucker went ahead and cut his own ear off. I thought about it with this whole Joss Whedon thing. You know, there are going to be people who are worse and who are better than him, who are, you know, more dangerous and who are less dangerous than him. But the problem with this whole thing is that we're trying to like, obviously Joss Whedon's story, he's not a saint. You know, but is he really that much of a sinner? I mean, maybe does he deserve to work in Hollywood? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, the what's what's the line, right? Like the line is always changing and not excusing any bad behavior, but it's worth thinking about. Like we are all human and it, it, it takes someone especially nutty. It seems to me to make really good art. You know, you can't be a basic bitch. So why are we trying so hard to put people in these boxes? Like with his story, it's so interesting and nuanced and not one clear cut way or the other. So why are we trying so hard to put these people in boxes of the sinner or the saint and then act accordingly? You know, life is really messy. People like Van Gogh's ears, like his masterpieces. It's just messy. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles. And we're trying so hard to do it, you know, put people and prosecute them in these neat little boxes, you know, accordingly. So there will be better. There will be worse. And you know what, to make something really great, do you have to be just a little bit mad?